No. Yeah, and Aunt Meg wouldn't mind a pit stop, right? No. Red meat, we crave sustenance. Guys, we are not invading my aunt. Food. 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 Hey, we are absolutely not going. Hello and welcome to the Movie Mouthfuls podcast, a movie podcast with zero table manners. Each episode we'll be tucking into movies and the odd television show to chow down on some of the most iconic cinematic cuisine scenes in cinema history, as well as just about everything else we can get our hands on. I'm your host Jordan, the bloke trying to be known as the film fella online, and as always, I'm of course joined by the UK's number one competitive eater and my co-host of course, it's Bim It's Food! Hello, hello, hello. How's it going? It's all right, yeah. It's not too bad. I'm a bit, a bit nasally this week. I'm just going to get out there now. I've had a bit of a cold, so I really do apologise for any of our regular listeners that we seem to have accrued. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't sound that bad, apart from when you do one of those big, like, you know, those kind of loogie hock-ups. Apart yeah, from that, it's been I, all right. I didn't bring my, my spittoon from home. I should have brought that. That'd have probably got me through. You would think I would have, uh, given that we're in Beard HQ, some kind of spit bucket. Just like several buckets. Just in, just in case. Yeah. But I don't, so, you know. But yeah, I'm all right. Is everything good with you? I've noticed that the uh, the Canada videos have started rolling out. A little uh, cameo from my, my pal, John. Hi, honey. Yeah. He was very happy with that, by the way. <laughs> For anyone that's coming to the, the podcast afresh, he's not just saying, hi, honey. Uh, that's the name of a person. Uh, well, not it's not his real name, obviously, but it's, it's the name of a a, a musical act. Um, and I, I used one of his songs on uh, the first episode of my uh, Canada mini series. It's not so many, actually. It's like eight episodes. So yeah, quite a lengthy one, isn't it? Well, thank you very much. <laughs> You've been waiting to hear that for the whole entirety of your life. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, uh, I did enjoy that. I guess uh, we, we've... We've got to episode 15, by the way. This is episode 15. I'm, I'm slightly shocked. It feels like 115, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll, good. I, I don't know what state we'll be in if we ever get to 115. But, you know, we keep we're chatting away with some ideas, won't we, the other day about other stuff we can do. So maybe... A hundred we'll to go there. for me, man. If we get to 100, <laughs> I will be, I'll be, I'll be amazed. And people still listen, I mean. Like, we could get yeah. to 100 and nobody listens. And it's kind of defeats oh, the point. peak and then everyone just leaves. <laughs> we our, I keep saying this. We hit our peak at Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> we can keep trying. <laughs> episode 8, folks episode eight <laughs> so uh what reason are we back in beard hq this week and this is um, all your fault by the way go on my fault well, yeah i chose the film <laughs> i guess we're back to disgust disgust we are back to disgust I, i'm in disgust i don't know <laughs> i know you didn't like it right it's gonna be an interesting dynamic this week but we are talking about twister not the uh the ever popular 1960s have contortion they, game have they made a film of that because i feel like that's probably something that's on the cards in hollywood they haven't got many great ideas it's like oh i know let's do twister what what a sequel to the 1996 film twister no 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 a remake no 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 do you remember that game <laughs> they could probably do i can see that happening with like uh what's his name uh jason bateman well <laughs> for a full like two hours of just not just him but that would be a boring game of twister maybe him and uh what's her name melissa you know what i'm talking about Melissa mccartney yeah it's mccarthy like, McCar- i always get this wrong sorry it's, it, yeah. mccarthy i think it is McCarthy. Like, that sounds yeah, like McCartney. the kind of film they would do maybe a uh like a uh, a cameo from Vince Vaughn, that kind of thing. I've seen that <laughs> cast working on, on the Twister movie. But no, we're talking about the Tornado movie. Yes, called Twister. Not Turkey Twisters either. Remember those? 
Twizzlers even. Yeah, you're talking about Twizzlers. Uh, you're, getting, <laughs> you're getting the semantics wrong. But, uh, the ice cream yeah. lolly twisters, we're also not talking about them for people outside Whoa. the UK. That's... Those are good. They still do those. Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's got like a little strawberry center and like, a, is it lime and vanilla? like Lime and lemon? Yeah, no, that's it. lemon yeah. and lime. Like a spirally thing. Anyway, we're, we're digressing. Um, this may be the quickest we get into it. So should we start talking about general twistery stuff? Let's... <laughs> Sped through that intro, didn't we? I mean, I'm in business with my uh, distaste this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, normally I'm the one that complains about the like. I, I complained a lot about. I was cantankerous on the burn episode. What was the other one I got really? We did Good about? Burger last week, and this is what led oh, to yeah. you going. I'm I'm picking one this week, <laughs> and then after going through the list, you were like, "Oh, I like the food scene from this one." So can we do this? Plus, I, I also like Twist. It's a great. Well, I mean, using the word "great" kind of loosely there, but to me, it's a great film. It's it's a film. Yeah. <laughs> it's a film well, <laughs> well, well we can get into the pros and cons of twister as we go but uh yeah what, what do you want to talk about from the get-go right well it is it's your job to uh tell the folks at home what what twister is about i mean it, it's quite self-explanatory but if you want to give them a brief synopsis of of twister from 1996 because we might have some listeners that have you know never never ever watched this film no chance maybe Everyone maybe too twister. young it's, it's on ITV2, like, every three days or something. Um, I right. about worse, split into, like, four parts over, like, five hours. <laughs> like <laughs> The Snyder Cut. Now, anyway, like, I'm going to do the, the synopsis now of uh, Twister. So, you're going to have to stay with me on this. It requires a humongous suspension of disbelief, uh, this film. But it's, uh, You're not kidding. <laughs> it's essentially about a group of uh, storm chasers, I guess that's what they call them. Not stormtroopers. Not stormtroopers. Just to clarify. <laughs> no, they, they, you know, they they're scientists. They're not just crazy people. <laughs> yeah, imagine like a meteorologist's crossed with rock stars right so they're kind of like on the edge they chase these tornadoes because they've got you know all this equipment and they can track where tornadoes roughly going to be at and uh they uh it's implied that they're kind of modestly funded perhaps by a government grant um in the beginning but essentially the the central story arc is um bill paxton's character forget what he's called now bill Bill. Is he actually called Bill? It's called Bill. Fuck out of town. <laughs> um, so <laughs> he is, uh, it's implied, you don't see this, but he. Uh, it's implied that he's divorced or separated from Helen Hunt's character. Trying. She's not called Helen, is she, in this? She, she, no, that would be quite funny, actually. No, she's called Dr. Joe Harding, and his Joe, character's that's Bill Harding, and he's trying to get divorced. Yeah, yeah, so they're yeah. separated, right, essentially. And he used to be part of this uh, kind of Scooby gang of uh, rock star meteorologists. <laughs> Scooby gang. Um, they, uh, so there's, there's him and Helen Hunt are like the, the patriarch and the matriarch of this group, and they go around chasing storms and stuff, and that, the idea is that they want to get this uh, contraption they built called Dorothy, which um, measures... Uh, this makes it sound like a really dull film, but it's actually not. It measures the internal uh, workings of a tornado, right? So they want to get near enough to a tornado they can uh, they can kind of deposit this uh, this machine, and then you know all these little balls go up into the tornado, and that's like that that would be the end of the film, right? Um, essentially, but of course they're chasing tornadoes, so things go awry, and it's interspersed, punctuated with uh, the, uh, the the like Jordan says the the backstory of the relationship because Bill has actually found a, a new uh, fiance, he's about to get married, uh, but he just needs these divorce papers from Helen Hunt's character to go through. She's kind of reluctant, probably because she still loves him, you know, um, and he kind of joins this little adventure they're on uh, because it's in the middle of tornado season. I realise this is not really a synopsis so much as an entire description <laughs> of the film. Not quite my concisest 
um, synopsis. But th- yeah, it's it's that, and they chase around twisters. Yeah, that that works. That works. Disaster I mean, movie about twisters. Yeah, not to be confused with disaster movie, the uh, the comedy no. shenanigans. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, I go with that. That's pretty much exactly what happens in the film Twister. They chase twisters or tornadoes or hurricanes or whatever it is. No, that you want to. no, 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 they're no, different. No, no. Actually, hurricanes, hurricanes are different. Are different. Yeah. You yeah. could have said cyclones because technically there's a similar kind of weather system, just larger. Yeah. You could have also said that. Uh, what's the what's the other one? There is one more. I totally forgot what it is. But you <laughs> forest fires. No, I'm kidding. Like, <laughs> tidal waves. Yeah. Um, so th- yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I mean, just straight off the bat, in terms of the synopsis, she's a bit of a dick, isn't she? Really, like, just sign the divorce papers. Like, don't like. Well, no, well, don't dangle no. them like like a carrot in front of him just to get him to like. Oh, look, we've got this this machine. So Dorothy is this machine that he's designed, yes. and just to add some extra context, so he's. For whatever reason, he's got out. I don't know if they were just they they butted heads too much or whatever it was. So he's become like a TV weatherman. So that they keep rip, ripping into him about the fact that he's become Being like he's kind of sold himself out and gone to be a weatherman instead of chasing tornadoes. But it's evident that he's uh, mega excited about chasing tornadoes as soon as he arrives. Um, well, a big part of what kind of gets him back in is because he it's implied that he designed this machine, like you say, called Dorothy, which uh, spews these sensors up into a tornado. But I, they actually built it, I think, while he was gone, right? So he's excited yeah. to actually see the, the kind of prototype. It was like his specs, and then he left, and then they're like, ta-da, we've built it, and that kind of like is what Suck galvanizes him, him to, to yeah. sucks him back in is, is very appropriate. I think... Oh, yeah, good point. The tagline for this film that they didn't use was actually just... It, it's not even on my list of facts. I just retained it to memory after you said that. Um, was it sucks? So it was supposed to be Twister, <laughs> and then the tagline was it sucks, but they didn't use it because they were fearful that any negative criticisms of the film or any critics or people that didn't like it would use it as a thing to beat it over the head with. Yeah, they're, so, not, they're not quite as self-effacing to say us about this podcast that they, they kind of, <laughs> we, we would we, we say it sucks all the time, but uh, yeah, they were they were more proud, I suppose, than that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, have you, do, do you know anything about this film in terms of uh, director, producer, cast, etc.? Et let me let me have a have a stab at the cast. Go for it. I think I got some good. So obviously Helen Hunt, in you can't, this is her. You you always use the phrase at the 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 height of her powers, right? Yeah, yeah. That's my this favorite is, phrase. This is one in the holy trinity of Helen Hunt films, <laughs> which exists. That the holy trinity of Helen Hunt films includes. Twister, as good as it gets, which we also need to do, by the way, because that has some food in it. Okay. And obviously What Women Want, which is a fantastic film, and I'm not ashamed to admit. I've not seen either of those. I've seen <laughs> one of the holy trinity of Helen Hunt films. What about Castaway? To... That's kind of like I've a... seen Castaway. Castaway's She's on the list here. Um, She's on the decline after you Castaway. You say Mad About You? Oh, did you not say that? No. No, that's, that's also on my list of things that she's been in, but yeah, I've seen Castaway. Um, anyway, yeah, so Helen Hunt's in it. Um, Bill Paxton is in it. The late, great... I've got to say the fact that they called his character Bill. I know, man. Like, come just, on. I feel like that is very on the nose. Like, uh, you know, maybe what? they were going to get somebody else to play. Possibly, him. and that's part of one of my facts. So, oh, um, we'll we'll mention that. Away. We'll. So it could have all been just coincidence. I mean, they could have just changed his name, but apparently it was set in stone. Yeah. So those are two the two central pivotal characters, but there is a fantastic supporting cast here including the again late it's like it's like some case you know like when they did exorcist and yeah. a bunch of people died when they yeah. filmed it twisters like that because bill paxton's now dead sadly as is uh philip should, Seymour we should Hoffman. add several years later they are, oh these, yeah these people died a long time after the yeah, film he didn't die in a film thankfully because he was only like what 40 when the film was 
uh, yeah. shot. Um, and Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it, and he's great in it, by the way. Um, this is probably this is the first film I remember him actually in. He was in when I went on his IMDb. There are films before it. Nothing really. It, I'm going to say of no. I'm sure someone out there will be like, well, actually, and it's like, well, th- to me, I haven't seen anything up until this point in his career. Philip Seymour Hoffman became kind of like a, a Cannes Film Festival star. Like he was always in the to, towards the, the latter. It, yeah. Part of his career, he was in the he was like your supporting character, but anything he was in was kind of artsy and always you know is going to be involved in Oscars, right? But back in the in this kind of era, he's playing like some uh, metalhead dude. I love it by the way. He's, he's playing. He's my Clapton. favorite character in this by a country mile. <laughs> he's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> At the beginning, he's playing Clapton, right? And then when they start driving off after that tornado, like they're all kind of phased. They're all a bit terrified, and he's just blasting like is it Deep Purple or something? He's got Van Halen. Van Halen. <laughs> Van Halen too. Um, Arena. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about that later, but they are also they also did stuff for the soundtrack as well, uh, like outside of just the music that was picked. Yeah. Anyway, um, more cast. Uh, John Rook, is it John Rook, the dude from uh, Ferris Bueller? Alan Rook. Alan Rook, man. That's, I don't know where John came from. <laughs> I, I don't know. I only recognised him from that. I think he's in Speed as well. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. And uh, oh man, I forget. The woman's name that plays his kind of deep southy wife. Her surname is Gertz, I think. Jamie Gertz. Oh, first name is Jamie. I did pretty well, given that she's not really much. I don't know why I knew that, but um. Lost Boys and Sixteen Candles Lost Boys, is all I've got here. Yeah, um, yeah, nothing else that I can think of. Have I'd... I missed any uh, major ones? There? Um, see, I, I I know the guy because uh, if I say Ooh, Robin Carrie, Carrie Elwes, there you it? go. I was going to say his name is Carrie, isn't it? I'm gonna... Carrie Elwes, yeah. 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 Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Saw, Saw, yeah. He plays yeah. the, the co-conspirator at the end of the Saw franchise. It turns out he was a dude who cut his leg off in the first one, but then he joined forces with him to kill a bunch of other people. Spoiler Hashtag spoilers. <laughs> well, if you haven't seen Saw, you're like 10 years late. I've only seen the first one, that's it, but I'm not that invested. No, in you could just basically watch the first one and skip right six times, you know, like, and you've got the same effect. Uh, yeah, I, I, there isn't that many other people that I can think of. There's a lot of people that... Um, so I noticed there's a guy called Joey Slotnick who plays, you know, very, very creatively. His character is also called Joey. <laughs> um, he's in the intelligence comedy series that's got um, David Schwimmer and Nick Mohammed in that's on Sky. I recognised him from that. Wendell Josephine who plays Haynes. She's in Last Action Hero. <gasps> um, Patrick Fischler who's in... A lot of TV series, it turns out, after this. He just His character's called The Communicator, and I think he's either... I'm not sure if he's either the guy that's in there telling the um, Cariolis' team about the tornadoes, oh, or yeah, whether yeah, he's the guy, the guy that's in the truck into... that gets uh, shish-kebabbed, for want of a, a better well, word. But he's in, like, um, there's a really good TV show on Apple TV called Defending Jacob, and he's in that. That's where I recognised him, but he's in loads of stuff. Um, we probably don't need to list all of them. There is—I yeah. just remembered one thing though. There's a guy in it who um, I don't know the actor's name, but he plays Oppum in uh, Saving Private Ryan. You know the, the guy that like gets more killed, basically. Yes, um, and uh, I had him down on here, and then I had that in the notes and removed him <laughs> because I couldn't <laughs> recognise anything else. It was in. But yeah, you are right. There is a guy there from Saving Private Ryan. He got he got Adam Goldberg, Vin Diesel, all those lads killed. Well, not Vin Diesel. He just got shot by a sniper. But anyway, that's a different <laughs> film. <laughs> There's no food in that. I don't think. Except bullets. Yeah, <laughs> people eating bullets. Uh, yeah, it's we're not, not going to go that it's dark. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's based on the factual events. So let's let's not make light. Yeah, we'll stop. <laughs> my my views are not aligned aligned with the the film fellas. <laughs> Neither are mine. <laughs> 
Uh, so it was directed by Jan Debont. Do you know anything that he's done? No, he's got a funny name, though. Uh, yeah, he's got a really funny name. I had to actually just remind myself that his name's not Jan by writing Jan on my notes just to oh. make sure I didn't pronounce it wrong, because you know what I'm like. Yeah. Uh, he did Speed. He also did Speed 2, Cruise Control. Oh, God, um, the Haunting, film. which is now um, being turned into The Haunting on Hill House on Netflix. Is that um, he also did Neeson? The original Haunting? Was yeah, that Liam Neeson? Uh, yes. Yeah, by yeah. Owen Wilson? It's got yes, yeah. Ooh, I, I yes. don't mind that, you know. It's a bit, it's terrible, but it's that's, that's this also this guy. Um, and then after that, he did Minority Report and Equilibrium, Ooh. Ooh. and then he was a producer for Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life, and then I think he's produced some other stuff. But they're the the most notable things. Not bad. That's kind of like a, a a decent resume. Yeah, he's an in- interesting guy. I think we've got some facts on him. I may be lying, but I might have read something earlier and not written it down. So if, if it gets to later on in the podcast and I don't mention it again, I'm sorry. Do I have to give you some like class A or something? You, I'm, you're, I'm noticing like a significant drop in energy. I think I'm going to I'm gonna have to carry this one. I'm going to, well, actually my energy is going to come in now. So it was written by Michael Crichton and his wife, Anne-Marie Martin. I'm not sure why they don't carry the same surnames, but you don't have to, I guess, if you're married. Uh, Michael Crichton, as you will know, is the writer of several books and novels which became films, including Jurassic Park. So, oh, yeah, I thought that, that's going to give you a boost. Uh, yeah, that's, this is where the excitement Jurassic Park. Yep, so uh, Michael Crichton was the writer for this. Um, I did message you when we was watching, doing the rewatch for this, that I got very strong Jurassic Park slash the Lost World vibes from like how the characters interact, the music that's used in the scenes, how it's filmed. It turns out that I wasn't just making that up. So obviously because he's written it and it's after, well, it's after Jurassic Park came out and I think it's around the time that the Lost World was being made into a film. So part of that influence has come from there, but also the executive producer for this film was none other than Steven Spielberg. So a lot of the, you know, the creative decisions and writing will have been birthed from there. It also is the most expensive, at the time, screenplay to be ever purchased. It's $2 million. So Crichton uh, made bank before he's uh, untimely passing. I think he made significant bank from uh, Jurassic Park yeah. before that. But, um, he did pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not know it was a Michael Crichton book. It's not even a book. He's just he just wrote oh, the screenplay. Just, wrote just him and his wife wrote the screenplay for this. That That's where I was getting the vibes uh. that he's clearly... He, he, he made, do you know that he was the guy that originally made ER, like the TV show? So that was based on like Crichton's work. I did work. not. So he did that. Obviously, he's done a lot of other stuff. Today. So yeah, he, he created ER. He's obviously written several novels that have been turned into films. But that is where, for me, that those influences in this film come from. Because I reckon that because he then, in like the early 90s, got that ability to be part of the writing team. And I think he was a executive producer for Jurassic Park and you know like a producer that didn't do much I think that that's where that vibe came from so I was very impressed that I uh, I picked up on that and then when I looked it up I was like oh seems uh, my film knowledge is okay well, when, it, when it inevitably ties back to Jurassic Park yeah you're usually good it also makes about as much sense as Jurassic Park you know in terms of actual yeah. the possibilities of this ever happening yeah true um do you want to play your favorite game I, do, I kind of do and I don't because I look forward to it, but I've, I'm, I'm honestly like, I'm trying to pull up straws here thinking, how can I figure out? I, I have no idea. So I'm going to, uh, if I'm way You're off. You're not going to get this is, is basically, but um, you never know. Maybe this will be your These These are my one. considerations, right? I, I think the budget, I'm probably going to be, uh, I'm probably going to be more off on the box office than I'm on the, on the budget, but I, I want to say for the time, 
You can't see this, by the way. I'm just saying, I'm just talking about. We've got a little screen in front of me. You're not, you're not cheating, are you? No cheating. Well, no, unless like I've got some kind of mirrors. I might do that next week. Put a mirror behind your head, like a secreted behind <laughs> this, so I can see the screen. I don't know. I'm gonna say for the budget, ninety million. Do you want to have both first and then no, get one? No, I want to know if that's right. Because I'm ninety-two gonna... million dollars. <gasps> I think that maybe the quote possibly. Yeah, if if anyone wants to, I'm not going to go through and check. So since we started doing budget and box office about four <laughs> episodes ago, let us know. Is that the closest that Beard's got? It'd be just nice. Someone tweet us just so we can be acknowledged that people do listen. Nobody takes that much. <laughs> I think that's the closest I've been. And that's, so maybe I just need to not have an, any idea, just kind of free ball it and I'll get close. The, the, the box office, I've got no idea. But I remember being a child at the time, everyone was talking about this and everyone was going to see it. So I, I know it's got to be a box office success. So I'm going to say it's done at least... <clears throat> The marketing was really good behind it as well. I remember the posters. Yeah, I'm going to so say, what's the rule as well? So it's got to do more d- than d- double. Double, whatever the budget was, they usually spend as much, if not slightly more, on the marketing, but usually a rule of thumb, just double it. Right. What's so this more? So 90 million, 92, 180. I'm going to say, all right, in that case, I'm going to say 280. No, two, two, 270. Way off. Way off. <laughs> Um, so it made over four hundred and ninety-four point five million. Good lord! So this was a winner. How did this not get a sequel? Uh, well, <laughs> on IMDb, <laughs> it classes even though it's not a sequel because it's clearly. I've, have you ever been to um, Universal Studios Orlando? I'm guessing you might have done. No, I'm not really in the theme parks. Oh, you not? Hate them, actually. They've got the Twister experience there, and uh, Bill Paxton and uh, Ellen pop up and are like, oh, "Hi, and this is Bill from from Twister, and this is how <laughs> is this we made the film." Uh, uh, it is at the moment. Yeah, I think I think I it's probably one of the very old rides there, so it's, there's a chance that it will get canned Hang soon. On. So Hang you're on. gonna have to. I'm booking tickets. I'm booking tickets. <laughs> I need to see your You just Bill stand <laughs> in a building and watch as some industrial fans and some lighting and some like it's just to show you what it's like to be on a film set that's got practical effects. I like stuff like that. I you know I hate roller coasters. I'm not I'm not scared of them. I just find them pretty boring. Um, but I love stuff like if you've have, have you been to Alton Towers, they got that. Uh, yeah. thing. I don't know if they still have it, but they had this thing called Hex. Yeah, yeah. And I used to just go. It's it's like a weird gravity thing. You, you sit in a seat, and like the room appears to stay the same, but you feel the force of gravity, and it's because the room is turning at the same time as you. Um, but I think I went on that like thirteen times when I went to Alton Towers <laughs> once when I was younger, just to try and figure out how it works, and then I figured it out and then sussed it. But um, I I like I prefer stuff like that than to uh, yeah. So I might go. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, well, that that is um, still there, and that is classed as the uh, the, well, sequel the sequel to this, even though it's not the, the, the sequel. It's not the sequel. sequel. Yeah, it's just like a, hi, I'm Bill Paxton, which kind of breaks the whole continuity of the film <laughs> straight away. Um, somehow, this film was nominated for two Oscars, um, so sound and uh, effects and visual effects individually, and it, it lost to the English patient and independence day respectively because independence day came out the same year yeah which I mean, is understandable special effects are strong though in this for the for the for the era reasonably strong I'd yeah say. i mean there are some time like the part when the fucking 18 wheeler comes out of the tornado <laughs> and then when it hits it kind of hits their truck to nudge them off a tree yeah i mean it'd have obliterated their car i understand but yeah that's the weird thing like it nudges them 
but then it kind of flies another 30 feet, then explodes. Yeah. And you're thinking, no, it would have just hit your car and exploded. But Spoilers, okay. by the way, folks. But yeah, then they drive through it and they're absolutely fine. Then it blows up again. There's nobody in the 18-wheeler, though, that you can see. So well, I hope uh, not. Nobody dies. Some that. guy's just having a piss outside at road. He's like, my truck's gone. It's just, just somehow the tornado's just missed the bloke having having a slash at the other side of the road and his truck's you know, just being pushed. T- tangent coming here, right? But you know, I, I watched, I remember watching, a, I'm fascinated by stuff like this, you know, like uh, Force of Nature and all that. And I remember watching a show ages ago and it said, like, if a tornado um, happens, and this, this film kind of. Uh, are you trying to give our listeners some like solid facts about survival? <laughs> well, I was I was going to go in, I was going to dip a toe into it because th- this film seems to kind of um, agree with this theory that if there's a tornado, you should get under a bridge. But then I googled it and it said no, under no circumstances go near a bridge because yeah. they're more likely than any other structure to fall over. That's <laughs> on the goofs on IMDb's page for this. You know, under the goofs section, it's just like whatever you do, do not like go under a small Fuck. rickety bridge. That's like a ba- so that's I mean that's just almost negligent, man. What, what <laughs> there could be people out there who've died because they thought this was well. Oh well, well I don't want to spoil. Are the we facts. going to facts? We got facts because if you want to, I don't want to spoil them early. So. One of my first facts that I've got, they weren't completely negligent. So you remember VHS tapes back in the day? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, video tapes for, for I've the I've still the got kids. some, actually. Yeah, you used to have to wind them back up, and if you gave them back to Blockbuster and you'd not wound them back to the start, you got fined on your Blockbuster account and all that crap. All right. <laughs> Did you have to... You you actually had to get... You got fined? Yeah, yeah, and some of them, yeah, if you didn't, like, rewind <laughs> tapes back. fucking <laughs> Who was running that company? Yeah, because like... there was some poor... Like, Armin or something. <laughs> some poor bloke that or, or woman or any any employee that will have had to sit there and uh, rewind yeah. all the tapes. Oh, so can you imagine how now. many hundreds of tapes you must have got? Yeah, but I mean, find it anyway. <laughs> what so the video version also includes a message after the end credits from FEMA. It's a representative stating that a brochure is available via a 1-800 number and your video rental store on how to prepare your family for a tornado. This, well, you got me, when we were talking about this, I watched it and I sent you a message on Twitter and I thought, I, I kind of purposefully want to go to like Tornado Alley, you know, like in America now and just wait for one. Because I think, imagine... Like, <laughs> He's there I, now, folks. <laughs> if, I, if I got that on film... That's like, imagine how many people would watch that video. Well, my response to, to this comment was that what you should do is get all the ingredients for a beard shake from Five Guys. <laughs> guys, by the way, Five Guys, any employees listening, we'll, we'll take sponsorship. But if you uh, if you get them and go to Tornado Alley, just sit in your car with the loose materials and then you can do a video that's like a massive clickbait video that's just, I made a real life beard shake. And, and it's like just like highlight, Yeah, it's just you and... being thrown around in your car with... <laughs> Yeah, it would be a delicious way to go, if, if nothing else. Um, got some more facts. I've got loads yeah, of facts sure. for this. I'm just going to rattle right, well, through. Them. I mean, be selective about them. Give me the best ones. Oh, I, oh. <sighs> Sticking with VHS tapes, there's an animated sequence before the pan and scan US version that has got a definition of a twister featuring Bugs Bunny and the Tasmanian Devil. Seems very wi- random. Wildly, um, what's the word? Unnecessary. Yep, and we'll just, as as that is, we'll just keep going. So Bill Paxton died in 2017, as, as you mentioned. I remember but, it was a sad day. I, mean, I, don't, I don't want to get into like a, a whole, whole eulogy about Bill Paxton, but I always think about his character in True Lies. It's fucking hilarious. But first thing that I went to was Aliens. It's game over, man. It's game over. And obviously it was because he died and I was really sad. Did you know about the circumstance of his death that was really sad? I, I can't remember. Because he was going in for like essentially corrective heart surgery, right? And he was only like 60s, oh, yes, yes. early 60s, I think. And I think the surgeon, like, I mean, I, I don't want like a, a libel lawsuit here, but I think he, he fucked something up um, or he wasn't in the room and he, and he wasn't observing the whole time. And like there was some, 
he had some reaction to it, which led to complications, and that's why he died. It wasn't because like he had some condition and that in in you Went know killed wrong. him. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I don't want to depress people. <laughs> well, anyway, sticking with that, uh, Spotter Network choreographed two hundred storm chasers to spell out BP with their GPS tracker blips on a radar display to honor him. This kind of tribute had only been done five times before, and it was the first time it had been done for someone who wasn't a storm chaser. That's nice. That's pretty nice, isn't it? It's a nice thing to really do. Really convoluted, but still nice. <laughs> Have you ever wondered where the uh, the noise of the tornado in Twister came from? No, but I, I I want you to tell me because it sounds it doesn't sound like a fucking tornado. They make it sound monstrous because they kind of anthropomorphize to get technical the tornadoes and this to make them kind of bad guys when they're just forces of nature. Yeah, they're so all they like sound, monsters and yeah, they go and, like. And it's like no, that's not how a tornado sounds. <laughs> well. Uh, these tornadoes, if you ever hear a camel moan and then slow it down, that, that is the sound of this tornado. <laughs> Whose fucking idea was it to come up? Like, you know what, let's, let's get, a, can you get get that camel to just say something? They're, you know what, we're going to slow it down by 50%. Oh, that's it, tornado. <laughs> uh, more, more believable, the, uh, the jet engine from a Boeing 707 was used to generate the wind in some scenes, which makes sense. It also sounds terrifying to me. Yep. Boeing love getting in on stuff like that. They're big cash cows, aren't they? They'll be like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it for like 40 grand a day or something. Yeah. Um, if you were watching this back in the day um, on your new surround sound system or if you went to a theatre with a very good one, it was apparently a bad idea because um, the very loud bass and heavy surround channel this film was notorious for was destroying speakers in theatres worldwide, apparently. Ooh. It's just a bit uh, negative to bring it out of film that you want people to go see. Um, in random sort of like paraphernalia, is that the correct term? Facts. Depending on what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, just completely opposite to what it means. Um, the, this was the first movie to ever be released on DVD in 1997 alongside Mars Attacks. And it was also one of the last ever HD, if you remember them, HD DVDs from Warner in 2008. So they... If anyone doesn't know, HD DVD was the competitor to the Blu-ray that um, failed miserably. They sort of appeared and then disappeared within space of about four years. Like, like VHS and Betamax. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so this was the last one released by Warner. So, you know, first out and uh, last out, I guess. That's kind of an honour, I suppose, in, in, in itself. Yeah, yeah. The production bought eight blocks of houses in the old downtown area of real town Wakita, Oklahoma, for between seven thousand and ten thousand dollars per house. Sounds a bit like Monopoly, doesn't it? For the is that price a joke? Of, Thank no, God. no, it's real. Um, a, man, American real estate is a, a joke in a good sense. Like I could live out there. I'd be living there. This is the nineties, though. Yeah, but still, even now, like yeah. I, I, I've got a friend, and his like truck is more expensive than his house. Wow. That's I mean, insane. it's a nice truck, but still, I mean, <laughs> come on. This don't get me started on property anyway. <laughs> well, the the houses and ad, an additional thirty homes were built by the production, which were then subsequently demolished by the film's crew for scenes for you know when the twist has gone through. The town later rebuilt the whole area and also kept the new fire truck that was used for the film. Oh well. They also made a museum. That, that that place is like one of the most successful like places that films filmed in. They made a museum and everything for the twi- you can go to the Twister Museum. I think I would enjoy that more. I might go to the Wakita Museum rather than the Universal Studios Bill Paxton ride. <laughs> um, the cow. So the oh, CGI yeah. cow that everyone you know notoriously knows from this film 
was originally supposed to be a CGI zebra from Jumanji, which was in 1995. So I don't know if it was meant to specifically be, oh, look, that is that zebra exactly from Jumanji. But I think they was using the same effects and they were just going to stick a zebra in it. Yeah. Don't know how. Don't know why. Is there any zoos in the middle of Oklahoma? I, I don't know. But, just, but in the end, the kind of common sense prevailed and they said, no, there are no zebras around here. Let's make it a cow. You make it a cow because they're black and white as well. <laughs> that would, it, would, it wouldn't have made, that line wouldn't have been as good. No. We got cows. We got cows. Yeah, it just wouldn't have made any sense. Um, in a public Q&A at a screening of the film, Bill Paxton said he didn't ever meet executive producer Steven Spielberg until a year and a half after finishing the movie. He said Spielberg greeted him with, thanks for making me a lot of money. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> Um, do, you, do you like urban legends? Um, I'm I'm indifferent to them. I, I told you I've got loads today. I'm just going to rattle through them because they're I mean, all exciting. So, okay. according to urban legend, a tornado hit a driving theater in Stony Creek, Ontario, while just this, been there. Yeah, oh, yeah. I got, so I probably killed the levels and I got excited. <laughs> got very excited there. <laughs> Whilst this movie was playing, <gasps> um, in reality, a tornado hit a driving theater in Fall old Ontario on May 20th 1996 damaging the screen the movie was not playing when the tornado hit but it was scheduled to play that evening spooky <laughs> um, right so here's the uh, the casting facts that I almost told you before the episode and then I thought I'd save it so we were laughing that Bill Paxton was called Bill Yeah. Um, Bill was supposed to be played by Tom Hanks so he was the original choice, and the role was Bill Hardin. So I'm guessing maybe they just kept the name and just got a new actor. Now, the interesting part to this is that Hanks read the lines with the cast and even chose the character's wardrobe, which stayed in the final film, but he dropped out of pre-production and said it wasn't what I was trying to do with my career at the time. It called for an eccentric man with a southern flair, and that wasn't me. Whilst on the set of Apollo 13 in 95, Hanks felt co-star Bill Paxton was perfect for this part in the film and helped Paxton land the role. That sounds like he didn't want to do it, and... He, he kind of wanted some kudos and thought, like, he kind of foisted it on Bill and said, Bill, mate, do this. It'll be really good for you. Which I'm sure it was, but uh, I, that sounds like Tom didn't want to do it. Yeah, pretty much. Also, I apologise, I just sniffled during your explanation, but we're not doing that again. So. <laughs> we can, one ain't too bad. You're dripping all over my desk. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm gooing everywhere. Um, Kurt Russell and what Michael did you Keaton. Just say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm deleting that. Kurt Russell and Michael Keaton were the other possible considerations. Uh, oh, Kurt Russell would have been good in this. He would have been excellent in this. It just seems like, especially during that era, would have been pretty pretty sweet. Um, the instrument that was in the movie, Dorothy. Wait, wait, wait. I had a good joke then. Big trouble in Little Cyclone. <laughs> that would have been pretty good. <laughs> no, I wish I hadn't said it now. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. Um, the instrument used Dorothy is a homage to the instrument that real tornado researchers attempt to place in the paths of tornadoes called the Toe Table Tornado Observatory, which is, you know, Toto. So they obviously picked Dorothy for theirs. I love Toto. Do you like Toto, the band? Um, Rosanna? I, I, well, Africa. Africa. I like Africa. No, Africa's shit, man. That's all I played. <laughs> to, uh, Rosanna and uh, and uh, what's the other one? Hold the line. Hold the line. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Well, they're obviously talking about the characters from The Wizard of Oz in 1939, but... I'm just saying, <laughs> I've got a lot of energy today. It's Guys! <laughs> right, I'm nearly done. So, the explosion of the oil tanker, which we mentioned a minute ago, was originally mistimed and was not caught on film, <laughs> which I knew you'd love, because I know you're into your production stuff. Yeah. Um, DeBont decided not to tell the studio immediately, and the stunt was reset and filmed again, costing a rumoured $500,000. <laughs> 
But, I mean, it, not... it's a penny in the ocean to what they made back, so... It, they probably didn't mind once it gross what it did, but that seems a lot to explode a truck. No? I mean, you get the... Okay, what's the truck worth? 100 grand, maybe? Maybe it's... I don't know. Maybe it was just a big explosion for the time. This is, you know, with a little bit of CGI in this film, most of it was practical, which is why, apparently, DeBont wanted to do this film, because he thought it was going to be the last chance to do a big blockbuster film before CG takes over. Um, um, which he was kind of right, but also people yeah. still do practical. Anyway, do you want a Philip Seymour Hoffman fact that you'll love? Please, yeah, because I love uh, I love that guy. He's cool. I, I I don't even know if this is real. This sounds too ridiculous to be real. But um, in an early scene, when Philip Seymour Hoffman is sitting on a lawn chair, he lifts his leg in the air whilst laughing. His genitals were fully visible for a split second. <laughs> It was edited out of the DVD and VHS releases, but it was leaked from VHS screeners and sent to industry professionals. So somewhere, which is a bit awkward because like he's he's passed away now, but somewhere, some industry professionals have Philip Seymour Hoffman's nuts they just on get display. That on I would put that up in bid HQ. I get that shit framed. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the instrumental rock song in the end credits is uh, Respect the Wind. Obviously, um, they picked that name <laughs> on the nose there. Is that, written, that Van Halen? And written and performed by Eddie and Alex Van Halen. And finally, which leads very nicely on to our food scene that we're going to talk about soon, Jan de Bon, a vegetarian, has stated that he hated filming the scene at Aunt Meg's house when everyone is eating steak and eggs. Yeah, well, fuck you, guy. <laughs> Um, just just before we get into the food stuff, is there what you want to mention about the film in general? One thing about this film, right, gets me kind of mad from from the, pretty much from the get go because it actually starts with a scene which which kind of uh, sets the the precedent for why um, Helen Hunt's character Joe is uh, is so obsessed, almost to the point of self destruction, with getting this. I think you're going the same direction. I was going to rip into this, yeah. but go yeah. ahead, do it. So she, she's there are so, several times in the film that she almost gets killed because she really wants Dorothy to work this machine, right? And uh, it's it's because there's a little scene beforehand which t- implies his shot, which when she's a kid, so I don't know, maybe 20 years earlier, um, and it's her dad taking him down to the basement when this giant F5 tornado on the Fajita scale. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I, I misheard it originally. Vegeta. Dragon Ball Z, and I was like, no, Fujita, right, okay. Fuji, yeah. yeah, anyway, a real scientist. Um, so, I, yeah, her, her, they get, they lock themselves in the storm uh, basement, and, like, her dad's holding the door closed, right, as this tornado comes over top, and he says, yep. like, yeah, oh, I, can't, I can't hold it, and the door comes off its hinges, and he gets sucked up in the tornado. Yep. Meanwhile, um, Helen Hunt's character as a child and her mum are just safe in the corner of the storm, could have just stood there the whole time. Like, mate, he mate, could have just stood there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, why, why, why are you holding the door closed? Just go stand in the corner. You'll be safe. But no, he gets uh, sucked up. Uh, sucked up by the. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say sucked off, but I just did. So there we go. <laughs> he gets sucked up um, by the tornado, and uh, it's implied he dies. Although I did actually read after this a stat, uh, a fact that says somebody has a Guinness World Record for longest distance tossed by a tornado and survived. And it's like 1,980 meters or something ridiculous. Why would you even try and do that? No, no, he didn't do it on purpose, you fool. But who was measuring it? Well, I, I don't know how they corroborated after. Guinness is bullshit anyway, we've covered this before. But um, he was like, um, I think he was like a farmer's son or something in a field. And this tornado turned up and it, like it sucked him up. And it, you know, deposited him um, nearly two kilometers down the road in a field. But he'd survived with just minor injuries. I think he broke his leg or something. You just go limp. You know when they say if you fall off something, if you just go limp, you've got a better chance of surviving than trying to tense up. Do you think he just went limp? 
Well, I don't think he was flexing down in the in the tornado, man. No, he's probably pretty limp, given that he's been gusted off by like fucking four hundred mile an hour winds or whatever. Yeah, I just I'm not buying it. Won't stuff in the tornado like hit you like all the debris. Probably like, a, there several... is a statistical chance that you would survive though. I think, depending on its force and what's in it. Like if it had just grounded, which would explain why he was surprised and you know he hadn't sought shelter, then um, maybe it's just got grass, you know, and a little bit of debris. Maybe it's not got to the stage of one of these monsters in Twister that are, you know, huge and like a mile wide. With a cow as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just him and a cow. And <laughs> um, I actually found out when I was looking into this that Universal Pictures recently announced that they're trying to do a Twister reboot and it's <sighs> in development with Joseph Konzinski um, being considered to direct. Um, yeah, so that was that was interesting. Why? Um, I mean, like, I'm not averse to, like... I like Twister. I would prefer a sequel to a reboot. Like, why is everything rebooted now? Like, not like write original screenplays. It fucking wise me up. I don't know. I mean, they've, they've just done the trailer for the new Home Alone, haven't they, on Disney Plus? Is that real? I thought that was a parody. That's real. No, it's real. It's the little boy from Jojo Rabbit. I've forgotten the name of the actor. I, I love the, that kid. He's great. He's great. He's hilarious. But like, yeah, they don't. It's actually going to be. It's a real. That's thing. real. It's going straight to Disney Plus because I think it was a Fox property before the merger. With Disney and then you can't, just you can't make to... Home Alone without Macaulay Culkin, man. It's not like, like a reboot, on. reboot. It's kind of like a soft reboot where you think it's just like a different family also forgot their kid and it's oh, 2021. On, <laughs> like, yeah. You just cheer me up and talk about the food thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to go through everything in terms of the film. All I will say is that I just. This just didn't age well. This film just did not age well for me. I just didn't. I, the, I really like Philip Seymour Hoffman in this. I think he, because of his character being so ridiculous as Dusty and the way that he acts, it kind of works. Everyone else is really annoying. I find her annoying by not signing the divorce, divorce papers. Bill Helen Paxton's. I, yeah. find it, like, I find the fact that she's really obnoxious quite arousing, if we're <laughs> wow. being honest with each other. Bill, Bill Paxton is Bill Paxton in this, but his lines are really cheesy. I'm sorry, Michael Crichton. I just wasn't a fan. I, like, I reckon it, I've watched it in the past when I was younger, and obviously I've not picked up on any of this. When I've rewatched it for the purpose of doing this podcast, I was like, this isn't a very good film, yet for some people it's like the pinnacle of disaster movies. And I just think it's, like you've said, you've got to have this level of disbelief that carries you throughout the film a bit like a tornado. You know, it just breezes nice. you around the, the film. Yeah, I see what I'm doing there. But I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm not going to trash it entirely. It's not like a one-star film. It's it's good for what it is. It's just not aged very well. Look, if you can, if people can enjoy shit like Fast and Furious 37, oh, or yeah. whatever on that, yeah. <laughs> this is kind of in that ilk, right? But it's better acted. It makes more sense. Than and it's not... physical, like actual yeah, yeah. sets and, the, and stuff. The actors are better too, like... Um... Even the supporting cast is really good, and yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He doesn't really say much in it, but um, he has kind of an auto from uh, the Simpsons vibe. <laughs> he does. You know, he's just like his metalhead. He's like he's stoned throughout. I'm not sure what he actually supposed to do in the film. Like he never really. None of the side periphery characters ever really seem to add anything to like what this scientific team does. They're just does. a ragtag bunch of uh, not really scientists, are they? And, and, and a dude. <laughs> and some dude. I think he's just there for the character call, you know, like just for a little bit of uh, comic relief. Should we go to the food scene? Yeah, please. So believe it or not, this one um, probably could be deemed a, you know, like normally at the beginning, very beginning, think back to the beginning of the podcast every time where I say like 
significant, you know, cinematic cuisine scenes. Oh, this definitely I, is. Th- one. This is definitely one. Yeah. Like I think it'd be very hard to argue. It's it's on screen for a long amount of time. A lot of stuff happens around the food. Um, the reason to go there. So obviously, if you listen to the start of this podcast episode, as we always put a little clip in, is red meat. We crave sustenance. Food, food, food. Something <laughs> like that. You, did, yeah. you didn't like half wrap it though. What the fuck was that? You yeah, no, like I did wrap it, but it's, I was just, I'm just trying to get through it quite quickly because obviously. You know, time time is of the essence. But um, yeah, they decide to go to Aunt Meg's house for uh, apparently she's got world class food and uh, yeah, steak. Apparently, with them being in Louisiana and there's there's cows flying about all over the place, they, they wanted some some good grub. Aren't they in Wakita? Is is that not where they are? I think they're in Wakita, which isn't that in Texas. Is that is it Oklahoma? I thought it was Oklahoma. I could be. I'm not saying I'm right. I just don't think it's Louisiana. Look, if there's any Americans listening, we're sorry. You've already upset a Canadian, haven't you, recently this week, so we'll... Uh, I upset we'll... a Canadian by, <laughs> by saying the word a boot. I said Canadians say a boot, right? And like most Canadians, are, I have actually a strong Canadian contingent who have been enjoying the videos and they're like, oh, that's funny. Just like when I go to Liverpool and I go like, you're right, how's it going? Like, you know, people can take a joke. This person got really offended that I, she was like, no, Canadians don't say a boot. And I'm like, well, you kind of do a little bit. You it's might just... not hear it, but it's like, I mean, <laughs> people take the piss out of the way I say croissant, right? I don't get yeah. offended about it. Anyways, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So we apologize. If we ever say anything that you you don't quite like about where you're from, it's all in jest, folks. We we love you all, really. I think. Yeah, but I mean, this is just <laughs> one. I, I, one of us has got the place wrong. Yeah. I think it's Texas. No, I think it's Oklahoma. You, Discuss. You, you, <laughs> you, you start describing the scene a little bit more, and I'll have a quick look on my phone. So they go to Aunt Meg's house, and uh, she's famous. Um, I think it's um, Helen's aunt in the film isn't it like it's her Helen, Helen Hunt yeah yeah Helen Hunt so you were like a first name terms <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh, Helen um, so Meg has got cows and she makes these great big I, I don't even know are, are the T-bone steaks ribeye steaks what would you say they are because they're bloody huge aren't they they look to me like they're T-bones I don't, yeah. I don't know for sure that they are big cuts very thick meat big solid cast iron pans damn it you're right it's Oklahoma I knew I was <laughs> but I mean anyway sorry <laughs> Uh, also, yeah, fried eggs, and uh, she makes her own real lemonade. Um, potatoes, not potatoes, as um, Philip Seymour Hoffman says, he says, potatoes, and Meg's gravy is famous. It's practically a food group, and he just slops it on. It's very satisfying watching him just like slop this really cool, amazing-looking gravy on this big mound of potatoes. The whole thing made me very hungry watching this scene. Oh, yes, it's definitely like a... Uh, if you're a hardcore carnivore... You're going to love it. But I, th- we should give a little context to this because Bill Paxton... Go for we, it. We, we've not really mentioned this much, but at the be- we, we mentioned a few times that um, Bill Paxton's character is is he's trying to get divorce papers because he's affianced to a new lady. Um, and he actually brings her along, which kind of makes his film really quite awkward at parts because he, yeah. he's kind of falling back in love with Helen Hunt while his his wife-to-be kind of watches on. But she's a, she's a therapist, right? A sex therapist, I think. Yeah, it sounds like um, it. And but she's kind of like she's suited and booted, kind of. She's not really fit. She's not kitted out, you know, for like uh, walking around the, the, the Ch- chasing tornadoes. Of, she's not dressed to yeah. chase tornadoes, basically. So it's implied that her sensibilities are a little softer, maybe than say um, Helen Hunt by cron- co- contrast. So when Philip Seymour Hoffman's just mashing these piles of <laughs> like meat and, and and mashed potatoes in front of her, she's kind of looking on, like, what the you know, what's going on? Yeah, like, where's my uh, my you know my Spicy tuna hand roll. Yeah, all, I was just thinking like cutlery, you know, you've got like three forks and <laughs> like where, yeah. where is all my additional accoutrements for my, she, for you my food? You love that word, don't you? 
I do. I it's do. a good word, though. They, they don't have much vegetable, many vegetables on, on display. No, though. it's literally... I kind of... that That is where I would think that kind of area of the world cooking would be. You know, like biscuits and gravy and gravy and mash and eggs and steak and the, yeah but kinda. they don't you know the vegetables too. I, I know they do eat vegetables i'm not saying that they don't but even, even a little corn would, wouldn't have gone amiss oh corn yeah well that would have probably made sense but yeah very very hungry from the scene um, everything just looks amazing um as we mentioned before the director was a vegetarian so this was probably a nightmare to film for him although looks i don't like- get like it's you know it's just a, it's a film in it like Chill. Yeah, but I mean, if he's morally opposed to, uh, yeah, true. It, uh, if he's not vegetarian just... for moral reasons, you can understand him being a bit wound up by it. But um, yeah, it wouldn't have really had the same vibe. I'm sure Benjamin Babish would not have done this one <laughs> had it been, you know, like I don't know, flipping mushroom, gr- grilled mushroom instead of grilled steak. No, and uh, just for for the record, he he has done this. Obviously, he's done this. <laughs> but I think we use that as kind of a, a validating source. Like if if, yeah, if like, he's done it, we're like, okay, we can do it. Yeah, yeah. And then occasionally we we go off on the beaten track, and like Big goes, oh, well, there were a bit of food in the equalizer. So let's do that. So I've explained this to you already because you just want to talk about films, right? We we need to tie it with some yeah, food. Yeah, no, hundred so. percent. If you haven't got the gist of this podcast already, this is uh, this is just the loose basis as to what films we pick <laughs> but a lot of time the food's good like i was watching american psycho last night and i thought we could potentially do that because it's hilarious I mean, it's not supposed to be funny but i, I find some of it quite funny oh it's really funny it is funny <laughs> i love it man yeah with the, uh, i love the part where the waitress I, not the waitress the waiter asks him if he wants to see the specials and he's like not if you want to keep your spleen <laughs> yeah man anyway we're not talking about American yeah psycho. We're, we're going off on, on on the beaten track here um she, uh, God, Meg, you got a lot of beef. Did you see my cows out front? And she's she's clearly, she cooks her own beef, to which Philip Seymour Hoffman is very impressed. Yeah, Dusty it, is so impressed by... It doesn't fa- look like she's given them much choice. I could be wrong in terms of how, how they cook, though, because they look a little a little well done for me. They just run in, in a flat iron skillet, aren't they, and cooked off. That's Generally how steak is cooked here, John, but yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem to be, a, you don't see a part where she says, oh, you know, uh, um, Bill, uh, how do you want your steak doing? You know, they just seem to kind of come off. I mean, I suppose if she's cooking for, what, <laughs> 16 people, she probably just does her best. Fire right? through them. The eggs look great as well. Like, every, just everything on that plate looks fantastic. Steak, is it implied that they're there for breakfast, you reckon? Yes, or? it's a breakfast scene. It is breakfast. Is that, a breakfast see, scene. No, this is a th- I've never had steak and eggs for breakfast, but I know it's an American thing yeah well i I think it's like a middle belt america kind of style thing where you have steak it's a bit too much for me you know breakfast steak you would, who wants a steak at breakfast that's not gonna feel i mean it's got it's i think it would be a bit heavy for me i don't eat breakfast anyway but if i was gonna eat breakfast no not not steak maybe yeah. later in the day yeah it's, it's a bit heavy in it um the part of this scene then because we talk around the food like we're, we're not going to have an in-depth breakdown as to what the food means and why like i mean sometimes we do but in this case we do it's just steak and eggs um i i like how i again going back to jurassic park oh, in, okay. in, in the lost world you've got the you've got the 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 research team that's sent by john john hammond to like study the dinosaurs protect the dinosaurs and there's obviously an environmental um terrorist if you want to call him that in their group that they don't know about it's vince vaughn's character until later on and then you've got like the poachers in this Crichton's written almost the same dynamic where it's one science team getting angry at another science team because they're on tv and they're watching it at meg's house and they're all just like shouting shit at the tv it's like this is weird 
competing scientist banter that Crichton seems to write into his stuff that he, he quite gets a kick out of. Oh, yeah, we, we didn't really mention it. There is an antagonist, which is not yeah. just the tornadoes, um, and that's uh, Jonas. My name is Jonas. That was, uh, that's Weezer, by the way. But, um, yes. Uh, yeah, he's like a, 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 a part of a, a, a com- competitive... Not, not a comp- they are he's a sellout, isn't he? He's yeah, a, the, he's a night imp- crawler, as they call him. He's- yeah, it's, it's implied that he's got like lots of corporate sponsors. He's got these nice, flashy black um, vans and stuff. Um, but he comes a cropper because he, he doesn't have the instincts like Bill, <laughs> the extreme Paxton, yeah. to predict tornadoes. Predict him, smell him, taste him, see them, like, view why, why them. Do they like, need the, why do they need the Dorothy thing if Bill Paxton they don't can smell need where it, they're just going? Just stick him in the middle of it. And just just go out and tell us where this tornado's <laughs> going, man. Just licks his finger, puts it out in air like it's going at 65 <laughs> miles per hour due west. You're, you're like, also hearing this scene, what, how Bill Paxton's character got the uh, the nickname The Extreme. What with the uh, is it the JD throwing bottles of Jack Daniels into yeah, the, the, it? It's just such a least, weird. Well, perhaps one of the least believable parts of this film <laughs> is this story they regale his uh, his new fiance with, where she says, "Why do you call Bill in the extreme?" And uh, then Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, says, "Well, it's because once there was this tornado and Bill was drunk and he ran up to the tornado and he hoid a bottle of Jack Daniels at it, and the, the it sucked the uh, the bottle off and didn't even hit the ground, but somehow." Bill managed to escape its pull. He managed to escape yeah. the suck zone. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, weird. Like yeah, that's like I, a J from in between the story. Like it, yeah, of course. My my, my notes here. Um, again, we do use notes sometimes. So the, the notes that I've got for this particular bit was what the fuck are they all talking about? Throwing J but JD bottles into the. Like, I'm just like, what is going on? Also, did you notice that he gets down from the shower and obviously because it's a film and he's the leading man, he's sat the table even though he's had plenty of time before the food's even put in front of him he could have buttoned up his shirt he doesn't he just sits with an unbuttoned shirt (laughs) just why is he sat half dressed just eating breakfast like everyone else is just there I I couldn't for love nor money understand why he would do that other than the fact that this is a film and they wanted to show off Bill Paxton so forget Bill Paxton Bill Paxton you see him when he looks (laughs) great it's just weird I was just like I don't understand um, and then one of my other notes during this scene, which is pretty stupid to be honest, I just put, these guys are super into storms, aren't they? <laughs> they, they are a bit hard for it, aren't they? They, they love the storm. I wonder like, if what they do when, it's, when there's no storm season, because you know, like, in the winter, it's less common. Do they just kind of, what do they... Just disappear into the four corners of the earth. Dusty the, just drives the... off, just into <laughs> uh, Van Halen. The, the, the track after this scene is Humans Being by Van Halen, which is used, um, yeah. Do you know what Eddie Van Halen apparently when they first it came around? I get this is another tangent, but um, I feel like we've been going two hours already. But he, when when he you know he's, they've got the unique uh, sound, or it was at the time like we Eddie would do the finger tapping on the guitar. Somebody told me that he once when they were first touring, he used to play backwards on stage so people couldn't see what he's doing. Wow, I've never heard that before. Yeah, I don't know if it's that could be another urban legend. So if if you if if you're a music lover and you know if that's true or not, to please tweet us. I would love to know because it kind of seems a little bit contrary to the. Uh, the whole uh, ideology of music. Why would you try and keep that from somewhere? <laughs> Plus, Hendrix was probably doing it before him anyway. Is there all else you want to talk about the food scene? Not really. Steak and eggs. No, I mean, normally we go into like, quite a bit of detail. Like when we did Whammy Burger, which, by the way, I'm wearing my Whammy Burger t-shirt today. We, we kind of discussed... It is indeed. We discussed not lying. ...in detail that, you know, what what, what um, potentially could have if we if we existed, if we invested in the, in the, in the, in the real world. But, I mean, this is steak and eggs. It's all this time, man. Yeah. 
just we won't have it at breakfast. That's pretty much what we've decided. Like, we'll eat people, it, but not, yeah, no, not at breakfast. Not at breakfast. <laughs> um, in terms of like other film notes, like after this, some of the things that I pulled out after this scene, so going away from the food scene and just wrapping up this before we go to the outro, I don't understand the bit where it just randomly zooms into his new missus. There's a bit where it just zooms into her face and then zooms out and she's in shock and then it just carries on. At the food scene? Um, just after the food scene. I think it's during um, the point where they're trying to deploy the tech for the third time or the second time and it goes oh. wrong and it's where he's saying that she's insane and you can't <laughs> understand it. You can't understand a word that they're saying. And then he's like, it, it missed this house and that house and came after you. And I'm like, it's just the most cliche romance scene ever where they've conveniently left the radio on so that his, his new missus can hear you, the You full. felt for them, man. Cause he's like, he's, he's like, see what's in front of you, Joe. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like me. <laughs> so he's just basically saying, yeah, I still love you. And his, his poor, like, his new new wife, um, or what she was going to be his new wife, she's in the truck listening to this a bunch of, um, amongst a bunch of strangers. Yeah. Maybe she got to go off with Dusty in the end. That's what I like to think. <laughs> well, Dusty's really happy at the very end of this film when they just make out at the end, don't they? Him and his, uh, his, his you know, they're, they're going to get back together and they're, they're getting off of each other because they've survived what is the, the most ridiculous tornado survival scene i think that's ever been made i don't understand i'm not sure there have been many not that there's been many but like in it like an f5 tornado and they're in like a little shack of some kind on it's, a farm and bill says he says these pipes go down at least 30 meters we should be safe it's like how the fuck do you know how far these pipes go down like what you like it looks down yeah he's it's got, weird. he's just got a sixth sense about everything hasn't he yeah also it's kind of food, sort of. It's liquid, but they drink an ungodly amount of coffee at every single point of the day for these people. <laughs> they they must be buzzed. Like, she says, give me nine coffees. Like, That's what happens when I go to drive throughs <laughs> But hers are for actually nine people. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's insane. And then he turns up and asks for an extra two as well. Like, uh, I did like, to be fair, one of the things that I did like about this film before we go to the outro, the driving scene where it's playing The Shining and um, because we've mentioned before that the twister, the tornado, is made out to be almost like a movie monster in itself, a bit like Jaws, some, you know, something mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. like a force of nature, but also like an antagonist. They they time it so that it's a rival. Um, everything lines up with the here's Johnny scene from The Shining, and yeah, then yeah. it rips away very slowly. The uh, that that was a good bit of film. I will say that that that, that was a good bit of uh, cinematography. I enjoyed that. You love shit like that, don't you? I did. I did. I lived for that. That was the only bit where I was like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" And then after that, I was just like, "This film's garbage." But that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we uh, go to the outro? Seems like the thing to do. I thought we'd best go to the outro because uh, otherwise your desk is just going to be covered in snot. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry to anyone that's listening. If all you can hear is me nasally going constantly, I mean, I'm going to leave that in there for, for you know, just an so example. Um, but if you, if you hear it throughout and I haven't been able to get rid of it, I do apologize. Please come back and listen next week. <laughs> and if you, if, if he's, um, 
contaminated me, meaning that I'm unable to film videos for another two weeks. I'm sorry, blame him. You've just me. told me that you've got a loading bank for, for later. You're just going to have to... Have, I, was have, talking, have, I was talking about pictures of your mum. <laughs> <laughs> God, there we go. Right, it's about time for me to leave. So we are available wherever you get your podcasts. So just search for the Movie Mouthfuls podcast on your favourite podcast provider. Um, I'm not going to make the joke that I normally do. Uh, he's upset me so uh, <laughs> make sure to give us a subscribe you can follow us or you can leave us a star review for the pod um, especially if you're using Apple Podcasts a review will go a long way for us preferably a five star one please there's no new reviews this week which means that none of you are listening to this part but if you, if you are can you leave us a review even if it's just like I listened to that part five stars I'll read it out next week there you go there's your there's your I bit you of bait you would have thought like about what you you told me we get like 200 listeners every episode or something so you would have thought at least one of those 200 would think you know I'd leave a review and maybe somebody give me like a <laughs> little just name got, they just ain't got time for his beard I, they probably, I can't blame him I'm like who the heck's listening for this long <laughs> I'm trying to speed it up. I'm trying. I'm really trying. You can find us over on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Movie Mouthfuls. You can find myself over on Twitter at the Filmfella underscore. And if you want to look for me on YouTube, you can do. I will make something when I'm I'm not ill. Um, under the Filmfella. Oh, that's the excuse now. Isn't it? Illness now. <laughs> right, okay. Excuse after excuse. They'll come one day. Uh, Beard doesn't like saying where he is, but if you just look for at Beard Meets Food or search Beard Meets Food, you will find him. He's on YouTube. He eats stuff. He's currently in like half of Canada at the moment on his YouTube channel. So go check that out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a good one. Yeah, it's a bit like, uh, you know, Not Godzilla, Godzilla turns up in Tokyo, Beard turns up in Canada and everyone's like, ah, Beard! And then running away. Like, no, it's that's... great. Nobody, nobody knows me out there, so it's, <laughs> it's cool. What are you talking about? No, we best stop doing that. We'll get uh, we'll, we'll get cancelled by that one person that doesn't like you for cultural uh, appropriation of Canadian phrases anyway <laughs> if you fancy sending us any questions i do have something here so or have anything that you want to say you can either tweet us if you want or you can chuck us an email at moviemouthfuls at gmail.com and that is exactly what our good friend ross hogg did so cheers ross um his what, suggestion what sent us an email um suggesting that we check out this is the end which um have you seen this is the end the comedy um, what? The comedy. Oh, the, the comedy. Yeah, this is the end. It's got <laughs> Seth, Seth Rogen, yeah, Danny McBride, all them lot, and but they're playing themselves, and like it's the end of the world in Hollywood, and they're all like in a mansion. No, no, I haven't seen it, man. It's got a breakfast leftovers scene with Danny McBride in it, which I'd completely forgotten about until Ross mentioned it, and it is hilarious. So we will do that at some point. We promise. All right. Yeah. Cool. Totally. I'm. I'm, I'm game. So yeah, cheers for that, Ross. We really appreciate it. Um, we're also over on YouTube now. So I mentioned to you, we're up to the lofty heights of six subscribers. All I'm doing at the moment is just putting up all the previous episodes and the current episodes onto YouTube as sort of like static videos. So if you want to listen to them elsewhere and you haven't got a podcast player to hand, you can listen on YouTube. Um, it will do us the world of good if you subscribe to that. And maybe, just maybe one day, you might actually see us both sat at a desk doing this for realsies on the internet oh yeah that'd be a fucking treat for people right yeah, now no, I, watch, I, I bet you dripping everywhere just, yeah I mean definitely we wouldn't have done this episode we'd have had to just like blur me out <laughs> like a <Yeah>. censored <laughs> like <laughs> You know when those censored, you know when they're on like a crime thing where like they've got like a, a modulated uh, voice where it's someone else's <laughs> voice just blurred out. That'd have been me for this episode. Um, but yeah, head over to uh, YouTube. We did get a comment on one of the videos from a guy who um, he commented on the Jurassic Park episode saying that his friend was one of the chefs that worked on that film he's also a chef um I, I do apologize I didn't make a note of your name but I will I will look for you and I'll mention you next week um but he 
basically was saying that he'd done an article on Reddit about it, questioning like the you know the Patagonian toothfish that we mentioned, the Chilean sea bass. I think yeah. So they were talking about that. Don't say it in such a, a down downbeat tone. This is really exciting stuff. <laughs> we're talking well, Jurassic I'm Park. I'm excited that you were speaking to somebody that worked on Jurassic Park or knew somebody that worked on Jurassic <laughs> Park, but I don't want to go down that seven-minute rabbit hole of discussing <laughs> fucking Patagonian toothfish again. Read the article if you're interested, but also he wished you a belated happy birthday from one of the other episodes because he'd been listening to that. So there oh, you go. Th- but you don't know his name? Um so I can't thank him by name. Well, anonymous person, thank you very much. I do appreciate it, even if Jordan doesn't. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, like as, as that uh, reviewer pointed out, I'm, I'm not well prepared, apparently. Um, big thanks again to Martin, who is our Patreon supporter. If you want to join him, you can head over to patreon.com slash movemouthfuls and chuck in whatever you fancy, to be honest. You, you know, we, we appreciate it. And thank you for any any support that we get. We'll put it back into the podcast. If you want something a bit more tangible that you can wear and or drink from then you can go to moviemouthfuls.bigcartel.com um, and you can get yourself some merch we've got some mugs some t-shirts I gave Beard his t-shirt the other week he was very happy with it yeah, don't try and wear the mug or drink from the t-shirt <laughs> yeah don't do that separate I mean, things. if you do do that send us a picture because that would be really entertaining <laughs> uh, we've also got some hoodies because it's getting cold over here in Blighty um, it's pretty cold so if you want some hoodies you can get them from there if you use the code mouthfuls you'll get 10% off and that's just to, for me to try and make it as cheap as possible with shipping and everything else so that you get something nice and we can put some money back into the pod to be fair so, they're quite nice t-shirts i was surprised yeah i've even put that on the uh, the t-shirt um, description so if you head over there there is actually a quote from beard from last week <laughs> <laughs> uh big thanks again to lee for all the music on the pod um i have pestered our friend and again i'm not just saying hi honey as if i'm talking to adam our, our friend hi honey about some extra music for the podcast so once that comes you will be sure to hear it um and big thanks to damon for our awesome artwork which is now also available on on some of that cool merch i'm allowed to say cool right or is that me selling out i mean you could say cool if it was cool to wear a t-shirt advertisement <laughs> podcast clearly it's not but i mean yeah, i suppose it's, 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 it's yeah it's nice it's grungy it looks it's kind of a cool design which is all thanks to Damon. Yeah. Uh, We will be back very soon, but until then, remember to drive away from all dangerous weather phenomena. Or even better yet, just stay at home where it's safe and warm and dry. Unless you're, you know, in a place where a tornado is coming, in which case don't stay at home. Like, you know, get out of there and get somewhere safe. If you can, yeah, just under no circumstances, hide under a bridge. Yeah, yeah, definitely don't do that. If there's one thing you've listened and taken away from this, don't hide under a bridge. Unless it's your only option. Oh, actually, I, oh, actually what you was uh, saying earlier about that guy that got flung in once, and maybe, maybe you would stand a good chance of not going under the bridge and just, just enter it and see if you can break the record. Maybe, maybe you can break the record. Maybe you could. You but, probably break every fucking bone in your body. <laughs> so, like in summary, maybe just play it safe. Don't live where tornadoes occur. Yeah, come and live in England. <laughs> Until global warming hits and we get them as well. Yeah, anyway, that's enough from us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Look at the absolute state of this snot rag. And I know no one could see this at home. I might not even leave this in, but that is disgusting.